On today's show, a crossover bonus edition of the show with Locked on Hawks and Locked on Magic. And in addition to that, Trey Young is officially an all-star. The deadline is looming and the Hawks play the Boston Celtics on Wednesday evening. We'll get into all that and more coming up. You are Locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1647 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening. And today's show, we'll be diving in to, for the most part, a crossover edition of the podcast, sort of a bonus edition on this Tuesday with myself and Philip Rossman Reich of Locked on Magic, where I'm mostly the guest on the episode, but a fun conversation about DeJounte Murray and the trade market and everything going on with the Orlando Magic and the Hawks, etc., etc., but first, a little bit of an addition here at the top of the podcast, because there was some news in the last few hours. As you're watching on YouTube, I am not in my normal location, so my apologies for that. But I want to get the podcast out to you as fast as I possibly could. And Trey Young is officially an all-star. Not a huge surprise, obviously, that he was named as an injury replacement. I made the point recently that I thought he should have made the team in the first place. But he's now officially on the team as of Tuesday. It's his third time making the all-star game. As of Tuesday, by the way, he's the only player in the league averaging more than 23 points and 10 assists per game. He's also doing it on 59% true shooting, which is above the league average. Um, he is in the top eight of the league in scoring, about 27 points per game, number two in the league in assists, 10.9 per game, number one in total assists, top five in three-pointers, number seven in steals this season, and for my money, playing the best defensive basketball of his career so far this year by a pretty comfortable margin. No longer the comical liability that people want to pay him out to be to be sure. And again, like he probably should have already, already been there in my mind, but in the end, the right decision, I think he certainly should be an all-star. Um, you can debate the the tier that he's in, whatever, but he's having a good season. It's not really his fault. The Hawks are where they are at this point in time. And obviously that's some notable news as he actually might be the only player for the Hawks involved in all-star weekend, not officially at this point, but certainly right now he's the only one that I have heard of to be involved in any manner because there's nobody in the Rising Stars game etc, etc, but something for Hawks fans to look forward to in Indianapolis in about a week and a half. Um, from there, the deadline is, of course, looming. Less than 48 hours from now, as I record this podcast on Tuesday evening, is the deadline, and it's actually like very strangely quiet at this moment. I know Woj said this, Mark Stein, Chris Haynes, etc., others have said this as well in the last couple days in their podcasts, in their writing, but it really is kind of oddly quiet across the board, not just the Hawks, like the whole league. Part of that is there, there's already been a couple of big, uh, big deals that happened with Toronto moving Siakam and Ananobi. So those would have been like, you know, headline grabbing trades around the deadline. But I talked to people around the league from different teams and different, you know, different markets, agents, all that stuff. And like, basically everyone's kind of saying the same thing. It's pretty quiet right now. I will say it usually ramps up at some point, even if they're not hugely headline grabbing trades. Something will probably happen between now and Thursday in the league. That does not mean the Hawks are going to make a trade, for sure. They'll still be involved on the phones. Um, it's been reported as recently as a couple days ago that the Hawks are still maybe the most active team in the league, talking about all of their players, uh, with the exception, of course, of Trey and Jalen. But they are asking for a lot, and that's not a bad tactic to take, obviously, with DeJounte in particular, but even with Capella, with Hunter, etc. They're kind of holding their asking prices right now. We will see if anybody meets those asking prices or if the Hawks end up dropping them a little bit between now and Thursday afternoon. But it's a waiting game. If there is 
stuff happening. I will dive in as fast as I can to talk about it on this podcast feed. But there you go on that on that front. Actually, like I don't think there's a single new rumor in between yesterday and today. So that's uh, just where we are at this point as of about 6 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. Also, the Hawks play basketball on Wednesday night. A very tough, a very tough spot for the Hawks in general. They have to go on the road to Boston after this very long homestand in which they were uh, in some friendly spots. This is not a terrible spot situationally, but certainly Boston is very good. They're the best team in the league by record, by net rating, by home record, by home net rating. They're top three in the league in offense and defense. They are very, very good. Not unbeatable. Certainly the Hawks can win if they play well. We saw them in the playoffs last year against Boston, although the Celtics are a little bit better now than they were then based on some transactions with Porzingis and Drew Holiday. But certainly a tough spot. The Hawks will be underdogs in that game, according to our friends at FanDuel. And we'll see how that one sort of unfolds. By the way, DeAndre Hunter is probable to play on Wednesday. And other than that, Capella and Muhammad Gay are still out, but no, no surprises there. So relatively clean injury reports. Drew Holiday is questionable for Boston as, a, as of this recording, so stay tuned for that. And if nothing else, we'll have a full breakdown, as we always would, on the podcast after that game on Wednesday. And with that, that's all I have on my own. Um, the rest of the show was actually an interview that I recorded with Philip Rossman Reich of Lothan Magic. I am basically the guest. It's a crossover episode, but certainly he is interviewing me for the most part, um, asking me mostly about DeJounte Murray, but some Hawk stuff, some third-team trade scenarios. Um, it's a free-flowing conversation for sure about Orlando, about Atlanta, um, just a l- little bit of extra bonus content. It's actually a little bit longer than normal on this podcast. That's why it's sort of a, bo- sort of a bonus show on this Tuesday. So in between, I'm already going to have my full allotment and more of content between this weekend where I was very busy. Also the two part deadline preview I did with Andrew Kelly last week is still very relevant. Plus the game recap last night, I'll have a game recap on Wednesday and then a show on Thursday, trade or not. And then uh, of course, Friday they play again on uh, and then Philadelphia and then on Saturday. So it's been a very, very busy week already. It will be this week, no matter what. So uh, as a note, this was actually recorded over the weekend and before Monday's game, but nothing really changed between that between now and then. So keep that in mind. And uh, just some fun listening for your Tuesday into Wednesday. Please subscribe to the show. If you're just finding us for the first time, normally I have a better microphone and I'm in a better sort of live situation on video. But uh, hopefully you will stay tuned for future episodes. Ratings and reviews appreciated. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roll. And I also write about the Hawks really share some audio, et cetera, at patreon.com slash btrolling. I have some notes up there on the game uh, against Boston on Wednesday. That's a good place to find. And again, please tell your friends about the show. If you know a Hawks fan in your life, friend, family, foe, whatever, share the podcast with them. I would definitely appreciate that in the meantime. All right, without any further delay, here's myself and Philip talking all things Hawks, Magic, DeJounte Murray, and much more. And here we go. And I am joined once again for the second time this season by our good friend from Locked on Hawks, Brad Rowland. Uh, Brad, uh, how's it going? Uh, I know Saturday was was a little was a lot. How how you feeling after Saturday's big win? <laughs> Saturday was a lot. There was a lot going on in general. The Hawks have won four in a row, as you and I are talking, and they're uh, they're playing better. So that's interesting. It's been a very strange season in Atlanta, but a little bit better vibes right now than there were a week ago. Uh, I probably shouldn't have dated this show as as I just did um, for it's those okay. that are for those that are listening. But you know, we 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 have to plan things in advance. Atlanta does play Monday, so the storylines change game to game. That's how things go in the NBA. But uh, Brad, it, it, it's obviously the big week. It is trade deadline week. Thursday is is the deadline. This will run before then. I can promise that. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but uh, Atlanta is kind of the eye of the storm, it feels like, it, with a lot of things. Um, you know, there's been some big deals that have gone down already. You know, Siakam to Indiana is probably the biggest one. Uh, but as we get closer to the trade deadline, it seems like everybody is waiting to see if Atlanta makes the big move uh, of trading DeJounte Murray. And it feels like he is the biggest star that is at least available heading into the deadline. Atlanta, I believe, is sitting in, in ninth or 10th in the Eastern Conference. They're still, they're 10th in the Eastern Conference, I believe. Uh, still, but um, they're still able, you know, if any team is capable of winning the play-in tournament from the 10th seed, it's probably this Atlanta team with the weapons that they have, including DeShante Murray. And all have, and as Miami showed last year, all I have to do is get in the field. Where where does Atlanta stand? You know, obviously this changes hourly, probably minute yeah. by minute, maybe, but <laughs> probably not that, probably not that frequently, but well, uh, where does Atlanta stand? as far as what they're thinking of doing with DeJounte Murray as we get closer to the deadline. Yeah, I think it's really, it's fluid in a way that is maybe not the best process all the time. Like, I think it's possible the Hawks might, not, they're not going to pull them off the market, but I think they might be less motivated because they're playing better, which is one of those things that happens in the NBA. I think it's kind of short, that, that's kind of a short-term focus thing that I don't love process-wise to just, change your direction at, really at all based on a four or five game sample size, but they have won four games in a row as we just talked about. And um, I think the consensus around the league is, has been all year long that the Hawks are better talent wise than they've played this year. And I, and I agree with that. So that, that process is a little bit strange, but I, I do think in general, this was really the whole roster outside of Trey Young and Jalen Johnson is available. Now there are varying tiers of available. I think DeJounte is clearly the biggest name that's available for the Hawks. Um, he has lots of suitors, the Lakers, et cetera, all that stuff. Um, he's still out there. I'm sure they will be happy to take calls and for the right price, they will move him. They're asking for a lot and that makes sense. He's a really good player, but um, I think they're kind of in this wait and see and they're trying to at least hold their cards close to the vest right now and say that they're not desperate to trade him, which is just good. You shouldn't like, you shouldn't uh, sort of posture yourself in a, in a bad, in a bad situation, but I think they're, they're certainly willing to trade him if the right offer comes along. Yeah. And, and, and for those that, that don't, that don't, don't know or realize it's not like there's a rush to trade him. You know, he's no. yeah, he's got $18.2 million owed this season. Then he's got a four-year extension that kicks in next season that gets up to that starts at $25.5 million. So it feels like for a lot of these teams, the Lakers, probably even the Magic, this is the window to try and get him because then it becomes much more, you know, it's you're gonna pay it on the back end, but then you gotta pay more on the front end as well to get him to get him uh get him next year if you wait for the summer. And that's why I think. There, there's probably a little bit more urgency from a team like the Lakers that doesn't have, you know, they're, they're capped out. They don't have a lot of room. You know, I think, you know, the Knicks have been one of those teams that have been rumored, uh, rumored there. And obviously it's good to have a market and, and you can extract as much as you can, especially considering how much the Hawks paid for, paid for Murray. Um, from the Magic fan perspective, it seems like we've seen DeJounte Murray at his best hit the go ahead bucket of uh, game winning, essentially the game winning bucket in the game in Mexico city hit the buzzer beater in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. You know, he, he, he feels like uh, an all, you know, not an all, maybe not an all-star this year, but an all-star level player. Why hasn't it worked out in, in Atlanta between him and him and Trey young? Is, is it just a matter of, you know, they've had some injuries. They need some time to, to get the roster and shape around them. Or is there just something that, that just doesn't mesh well between those two? Yeah. It's really interesting because, you know, I think people, the consensus is now that the Hawks, are not at least overjoyed with the way it's gone. And that does make sense. They haven't had a huge success. Like this is a team that was kind of in the same spot that it is now before they made this move. And when you make a big move like that, trading two, three picks 
you want to get better and they really haven't gotten better. That isn't the fault necessarily of Murray by any means. Like he's still, like you said, a really good player and it hasn't been a disaster. Like that's, I think there's like maybe a narrative out there in some circles that like they can't play together. No, they, they've done okay together. It just hasn't changed the world that they, that they were hoping to. I think the most simple way to put it is that DeJounte Murray is at his best. We've now seen that in Atlanta. Um, where he has the ball in his hands and he's kind of playing point guard. It's not necessarily as clear as that, but they, with Trey Young, Trey Young is the point guard. He's the best initiator. He's their best offensive player, et cetera. That's, that's, and that's not going to change. I think Murray is so much more comfortable is the way that I put that, like more assertive. Um, you know, he's just in his element more when he has the ball and he's kind of running the primary action. He's the guy with the ball in his hands. Now, the counter to that is that on a lot of teams, he isn't necessarily good enough to be the unquestioned number one on a, on a good team. Um, you kind of need a setup like maybe the, what, what the Magic have, honestly, uh, someone like Paolo and Franz to be next to you, um, or maybe LeBron in LA, et cetera. I think that would maybe work better. But if Murray is your shooting guard, which is kind of what they're playing him at in Atlanta a lot of the time, he's a little small for that defensively. He's not. He's done, to his credit, I want to make sure to say this, he's done a good job buying in and taking more catch-and-shoot threes. He's improved his shooting. Like He's kind of done what you needed to do off the ball. But I think in the end they're not the most natural fit. They never were. And I think the Hawks, the, the more negative side, I suppose, is that the Hawks were hoping that he was going to fix their defense on the perimeter, and that has not happened. So he's not been as good defensively as they hoped. And offensively, it, it's okay, but I think Murray's still, at his core, an on-ball point guard, and that's just kind of what he still is. It's all, you know, and I think this is a concern that the Magic have. A lot of teams, I think, have this concern, having too many of the same guys, like almost. Like, you know, John Collins was probably standing in the way of Jalen Johnson and what he's been able to do this this year. And, and is, you know, I think a lot of people criticized the John Collins move because it didn't feel like Atlanta got a lot in return, but it was almost a little bit of addition by subtraction to to give Jalen Johnson this, this much room to breathe. And it, it almost does feel like that's kind of the issue where, you know, DeJounte Murray has been trying to fit in. And Trey Young, look, Trey Young is a really good player. He is uh, unique. Uh, and, 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 you know, he needs the ball in his hands, you know, the ball, you know, the world kind of revolves around him. It, it, it just, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it feels like they don't maximize each other and, and it's trying to figure out, okay, how do we maximize? And, and uh, every team's trying to do this with their stars. The magic are trying to do this with, with Paolo and Franz and, and figuring this stuff out. How do you maximize your best players to make their lives easier but also get the most out of them and help them get the most out of the people around them. And, and if a guy doesn't fit as an off the ball guy next to Trey Young, that's that's kind of hard. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to put it. Like they they've done a little bit better this year playing off each other. Quinn Snyder's been a little bit more innovative. I was on record and still am that the previous regime and Damon Millen was like the worst possible coach for Trey and Ajante. Not in a way to to bag on Nate, but just the he's a very old school, like your turn, my turn. There was a lot of that. And they're already kind of leaning toward that anyway, so you want to have some more uh, innovation to kind of have them play off each other. And again, it's been better this year at times. DeJounte's played well. He's shot the ball well. It's just that there's something in the back of your mind, and I think that's been reported out there. The Hawks are just kind of like, you know, we've seen enough of this to realize that if, if nothing else, this is not going to take us to where we want to go. I think that they are not panicked about it. I, like As we start this conversation, they don't have to trade him now. He's under contract. It's a good contract. It's a favorable one in this new cap environment, but they are just kind of like signaling like, you know what? We did this move. Um, I'm not sure they, they would admit this. I'll say that. And so they don't have to, they over, <laughs> they overpaid in the first transaction. Uh, I said that at the time. So it's not even revisionist. Um, it would have, if, if it works, you know, this, if it works, nobody cares about the price you paid. If it works, it works. Yeah. But when it doesn't work to the point that you want it to, you look back and it's like, Hey, they probably gave up a little bit too much for that trend for that transaction. So 
they try to re- recoup some of that back asset wise. And this is not a Hawks show, but it is what it is. Like the Hawks are kind of, at least in their signaling, ready to kind of go in a different direction on the whole, even if it's not a total disaster, because it really has not been a disaster. It's just that, and DeJounte's played well. It's just that it's, the fit's not perfect. It's it's the whole thing of nobody wants to be stuck in the middle. Like, like yeah, that's, and that's, that's where the, that's and that's the, where that's the where Hawks, I mean, that's where the, the Hawks, Hawks have been three years in a row now. They have been about as mid as you can possibly like, be. I mean, you don't the, mag- be the Magic have played well against Atlanta, but I can tell you this. Orlando, Orlando Magic fans don't want to be in that 7-8 game against Miami, lose that 7-8 game, host Atlanta and face Atlanta because because they're in a single elimination game. They are still extremely talented and extremely dangerous. And, you know, we, we've obviously played three really competitive games so yeah. far this season. Two were last second shots from DeJounte Murray. The other one went to overtime. Like it, it is, this is still a really, really tough out, you know, even if their record isn't where they, they want to be. Um, I want to, I want to jump now over to kind of, the, the magic fit, you know, you mentioned yep. that the magic seemed like a team that, that you look at as, as a team that would fit Deshante Murray. We'll, we'll get to, a, you know, maybe trying to construct a framework for a fake trade here in a minute, but you know, obviously I, I think everyone recognizes the magic need a point guard, um, you know, a, a true point, a, a, a true point guard in a lot of ways, you know, Marco Fultz has been a, a good place filler, but he's got some very real shortcomings that prevent the mat again, same thing prevent the magic from maximizing their, their young talent. Um, when you look at this magic team, how do you, how would you see DeJounte Murray fitting and, and what strengths would he bring to, to what they're trying to build? Today's show is brought to you by the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook and happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Super Bowl Sunday is almost upon us now, only a few days away. It's also about scoring the best seat on the couch or at a party or wherever you like to actually watch football, grabbing your favorite snacks and drinks and food of any kind and places super bets along the way and beyond the diehards of the football world. Super Bowl Sunday also has a great big game feel that brings in casual fans. It's basically a national holiday at this point. It's also a great time to dig in with the folks at FanDuel because there's lots of stuff to actually consume and analyze and bet across their platform. The app is safe and secure. Even beyond the NFL, they have basketball and baseball and hockey and soccer and golf, tennis, auto racing, MMA, and much more. In fact, there are so many different ways to actually end the season with a W at FanDuel or two W's, three W's, etc. Not only can you bet who's actually going to win the big game, but also FanDuel has operations and bets on which players are going to score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, all kinds of player props, and so much more. If you're a new customer, join up right now today and get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more happens to win. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with the folks at FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And one more time, the place to go is FanDuel.com slash on. Yeah, so if you ask me in a vacuum where DeJounte would fit best on a good team, so not on a, not on a, like where he, in San Antonio when he made the All-Star Sorry, team, first. he yeah, he was he was the, <laughs> Sorry, he, was the sun, he was the sun, moon, and stars on that team, and his numbers were great, but that team was not a real they were not a good team. Um on a good team, he needs to be, in my opinion, the point guard, but with other top-tier guys, preferably on the wing and or center. Like it's not like I think if he's your best guard, you're fine, but you need to have a guy who's preferably better than he is on the wing somewhere, etc. I think he needs to have the ball a lot. He doesn't have the ball, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time. And I think Orlando, um, you know, the whole league I, on my side of things, I've been looking for teams that would a have already shown interest in Dejounte, or B maybe I think should. And I think Orlando's in the should category. I think it's like he fits there. I'm not saying it's perfect or that would there be no flaws, but um, I think as an on-ball guy who can get his own shot, he's really good late in situations. His his improved shooting is big for Orlando, as I'm sure you've talked about before. 
You don't want to have a non-shooter there. Markel is a virtual non-shooter at the point guard spot. It's, it's not virtual non-shooter. It's Rudy Gobert is, I was guarding, nice. is guarding him and, and roaming <laughs> and, and is not concerned about him at all. And it's weird because, you know, DeJounte, if you look at his career numbers as a three-point shooter, they're bad. But he is not the shooter that he used to be. In San Antonio, who's not, a, you know, he's, he's always been a good mid-range shooter. And now he's really become, at least for this year, much more of a high-volume um, three-point shooter. And he's been pretty good at it. Um, the Hawks have done a good job with him pushing about three point line. He's still comfortable in the mid range. He loves a mid range jump shot. I'm sure he'll admit, he actually admits that to be honest. It's not like he, he doesn't hide that. He likes that range, but he will let it fly from three in a way that Orlando needs as an on ball guy. He's a solid enough passer. Like as a point guard, he's in a special passer. He's a fine passer. Um, but that's kind of all you need. They have other guys that do think, you know, Palo yeah. mix plays, et cetera. So, um, and then defensively too. While I've been critical of his defense in Atlanta, I have to admit that he's not been particularly good, I don't think. I think he is better if he is the point guard on defense. I think his his skill set plays up better there. He's a playmaker. He's got great hands. He's always been a big steals guy, which steals can be overrated, but it does help you when you have a guy who can kind of get deflections and all that stuff, and he's pretty good at that. So situationally, roster around him, I think he fits pretty well in Orlando. Um, would you want the shooting to be a little bit more proven? Maybe, but I think that I buy his shooting now more than as being closer to his real talent than it was three years ago when he was like not a great shooter. Does that make sense? Yeah, that 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 makes sense. And like, uh, look, I, I'm I'm someone, and I, I know I've said this on my pod a million times, and I don't know if you would agree with this this statement or not. Um, your ability to sh- honestly, it's it's I think deep with defenses, it's not necessarily your ability to shoot that matters. It's the perception of your shooting and. Yep. And I think that because, like, you know, I go down the Magic's list. Paolo's been a better shooter this year. You know, Franz has been shooting 40% from three over his last eight, seven, eight games. Um, you know, Jalen Suggs is a 39% shooter. The Magic, you know, are the second worst shooting team in the league, but they have guys who are taking taking threes and making them at a higher rate than they did last year. But they're right now they're taking so few, it doesn't matter. They're taking so few, making so few, it doesn't matter. And so to me, I think one thing the Magic have to get is guys who are at least perceived as good shooters or at least perceived as threats where I can't leave this guy because if I'm too far off him, he'll hit a shot and beat me. Or if I'm too far off him, he's going to drive right by me as I try to clo- if I try to close out and, and get, to the, get to the shot. You know, the Magic right now just have too many guys who just the defense is go ahead and shoot that. I, 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 don't, I, I don't really care. I don't, we don't really care at this point. Um, and they're not taking enough of them. I mean, I think they've yeah. had three of their last four games. They've taken fewer than 33s, which is fine for them, I suppose. But, <laughs> you enough. know, we're we're going to get into a playoff series and the Magic might shoot 10 for, you know, 10 for 25 from three. And that's great. The other team's going to make 18 and that's going to be that's going to be the game. And that's that's, yeah. you know, that's where the Magic have to start thinking about how do we get better is building that kind of offense. And obviously, you know, I, I think when you look at this Magic team, what they're looking for are guys who can do a little bit of everything. You know, they want to be able to switch, you know, switch defense, switch on defense, especially. So having a, a bigger guard like DeJounte Murray, that's their wheelhouse. That's what they're looking for. That's why they drafted Anthony Black. You know, that's why they, I think they still stick with Markel Fultz because he's he's big. You know, he's not tall, but he's big. Yeah. Um, you know, they they want to be able to just just envelop guys. You know, you, you mentioned the steals thing. They're very big on deflections and forcing yep. turnovers. They're they're, you know, especially if they somehow have Jonathan Isaac behind behind them, they're fine overplaying and, and extending pressure, knowing that they can clean up on the back end. And so, uh, you know, I definitely think Murray is a guy that at least on the surface fits what this team's trying to do. 
He can yeah. run the point. He can calm the team down, which is, I think, a bigger thing that this this young team needs, especially. He's another scoring threat, which is another, you know, just just takes another bit of pressure off of Paolo because, you know, Paolo sees a ton of double teams. Um, they run a lot of stuff with Franz on the same side just to try and convince the defense not to to crash down on him. Having another guy like that it, it would be huge, especially with the passing that this team has. And, you know, I, I've said this, I think, to a lot of to a lot of people offline. I'll say it officially on the podcast. If the Magic were to go make an all-in move this this uh, trade deadline or even into the summer, because the Magic are still a team that I think could make a deal in the summer if, if it came to that, DeJounte Murray is, I think, the guy, I would at least the guy available on the market, who I would push my chips in for, who I might push my chips in for a, a little bit and and say, okay, let's bring in a third star qual- star caliber player and see where this takes us. Because obviously the Magic are looking for a point guard. You know, we've done pods here <laughs> uh, on this, on my, on the Locked on Magic trade deadline tour with Malcolm Brogdon, with Tyus Jones. Marco Fultz is a free agent this summer. I think, I think all of us sense that finding a point guard is the next step for this team or the next need to fill for this team as they try to figure out what this actually looks like. And so the highest end of that is, is DeJounte Murray, at, at least that, with what's available right now. Um, to that point then, um, from a team building perspective, because I, I don't think Orlando, you know, Atlanta was in a different place. I think when they got DeJounte Murray, than where Orlando, Orlando is right now, you know, the, yeah. obviously Atlanta coming off the high of the Eastern conference finals trip um, in the 2020 season, I think 21, they, they, they lost in the first, they lost in the first round or they, they lost in the play, play in. They or- had a, they had a very, so like you said, the conference finals run, then they had a, a pretty spectacular first round loss to Miami in which um, I'll do the short yeah. version. Miami, 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 them, Miami, Miami, them, but also <laughs> in a way that they, they threw three guys, like literally yep, three guys at Trey Young. And it was so obvious that the Hawks had nobody else to beat Miami and they, overreacted but reacted appropriately in some ways like hey the, the solution was we have to find another score and they went and got Dejounte Murray to kind of check that box so that's that's kind of the, that was the timeline and so to your point it's the Hawks had already been there and they they had fallen back and that kind of makes you a little bit more desperate than when you haven't been there at all if that makes sense Orlando's yeah, still on, yeah, on the that, ascent and the Hawks were not yeah exactly exactly and so so like that's one of the reasons why I don't think Orlando is ready to push push the chips in but I, I think that I want to get this perspective then how do you know when it's time to push those chips in and, and go on? Cause, cause they like, yeah. like you're, cause you're right. Like I remember that series, they were sending three to Trey young. It was just like the Hawks need to give Trey young some help. They need another yeah. guy who can handle the ball, handle the ball, maybe handle the ball, you know, kind of help him out a little bit. Like John Collins wasn't doing it. Obviously um, the, the Hawks, you know, had been close to the mountaintop and were trying to get it back there. They put a lot of assets into DeJounte Murray. They put a lot yeah. of chips in, and, 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 you know, We'll we'll talk a little bit about compensation here in a minute, but the Hawks it feels like are expecting to get try and get some of that back if they're going to move Murray. How do you know when when is the right time to make that kind of all in move? It's a really interesting question because it's some of that is, is organizational. Like how much do you believe in what you already have? Is this the final piece? Is this the second or second to last piece? Like part of it is like okay. Let's just fast forward for a second and say, now you have DeJounte Murray. Now, what are your internal expectations? Are you expecting this move to make you a title contender? Because that, that's a big jump, obviously, from where they are now. And um, they're in this phase at this moment, and I'm sure you talked about it a lot on your show, where it's like, yeah, they're going to probably be in the playoffs this year, but what does that mean? Like, do you want to see what this team looks like in a playoff series before you make the big move, or do you want to go ahead and do it now? And that's interesting that balance, because I, I agree with what you said before. 
Murray on paper like makes a ton of sense for them, uh, especially looking at the market right now when the free agency or lack thereof of guys who are going to be available at that spot. The needs like he's co- he's cost controlled. It's even if you don't love Murray, it's a good contract. It, it, it just is. So and if you think it, and if you think it isn't, just wait till the new TD, TV deal comes. And out. that's the why I'm, that's why I'm saying that. Like I, it sounds like a lot of money. It's four years, 114 million, but like. It was only that number because that was the most he was allowed to sign. If he had been able to get more than that on an extension, he would have gotten more than that. He had, he actually signed a very cheap contract in San Antonio that kind of capped him. Anyway, um, when do you go all in? It's an interesting question because I don't think Murray's going to make Orlando like a title container. I, I don't think that. But it does allow you to fortify the clear weakness that they have at that as far as positionally right now. It helps the scoring. It helps the shooting a little bit. Um, and it doesn't cap you long term. Like if it doesn't, let's just say it doesn't work, you can move him. Like it's not like you're in this spot where you're locked in forever to this terrible. Um, I, I won't use any players as a comparison. Contracts just do not be mean, but it's that's a deal you can move. So uh, when you go, it's it's there's not an easy answer. I'm sure there everybody wishes yeah. there was, but there there just isn't one. It's and it's all about something that's really hard for you to know or I know on the outside. It's like it's all about like front office team building and how do you want to frame your upward trajectory because you also speed up your reputations. I know this, uh, I don't know how Orlando fans are handling right now. I think this is kind of a, it's been pretty linear so far. Like they're just getting better and they're getting better. And that is actually a lot of the fun part is when you're on the, uh, is when you're on the way up. But the first time speaking of somebody who covered the Hawks, the first time you overachieve, there's danger in overachieving. Yeah. The Hawks were not a top four team in the league when they made that run of the conference finals. And yet once you do that, your ownership and your front office you're like, hey, we've arrived. And the Hawks had not arrived. It's just that they caught a, they caught a few breaks. Trey was awesome. They made the run. And that's the scary part is that suddenly you have your balance is out of whack. So I think that keeping things in line was, is the most important part about, about like when you actually go all in because or not even going all in. Like it's kind of a there's an all in and then there's like a Phoenix yeah. Suns all in. Like there's, yeah. there's, def, there's definitely a, yeah, there's a definitely levels to, to this. Yeah. This segment is brought to you by the folks at BetterHelp. Sometimes we actually need an opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that stuff out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. And today, I want to actually tell you about how I feel about something. You might be thinking the same thing or something like that, and that is that I have some fear about the trade deadline coming up this week for the Hawks. It can go in any direction, but I'm talking more specifically about whether it's the right set of moves, of course, but also whether I'll be able to act quickly enough to break it all down on the podcast, get the podcast out quickly, whether my shows will actually be good and what listeners want to hear, etc. It's a whole batch of worrying for me. And of course, this is absolutely not the most intense or life-altering topic, but therapy can be different for everybody involved. Most of us, including me, have much bigger problems. It's not actually involving sports teams, but it's also quite important to get things off of our chest every once in a while, no matter what it happens to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try right now today. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule, and the place to go is betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. To get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp, that's BetterHelp dot com slash locked on NBA. One more time, the place to go is BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. I've said this to everyone: like the Magic need to get into a playoff series with Milwaukee, with Boston, with Philadelphia. I mean, maybe not Philadelphia anymore, but uh, they need to get into yeah. a playoff series and get their butts kicked against a real and, team. Yep. I, yeah, against a real team in the playoffs. Like, but they like they don't know what Paolo and Franz are yet because they don't know what they need to work on because they haven't been in a playoff series uh, to see, okay, this is how these guys are going to, this is how they're going to defend us. This is how they're going to double us. And like, look, the magic needs shooting. When they get into that playoff series this year, 
they're probably going to lose in five. If they get it to six, that's that's almost a coup. Um, unless unless they somehow get into the four or five game, which I don't think they're going to at this point. But um, but they're they're going to play a real team that's going to break them, and then that, that's when they're really going to find out what they need and what they're missing. And, and like, look. We know they're missing a point guard. We know they're missing shooting. We know they need some things. It's it's not like we're saying this team is perfect, you know, yeah. live with them. But like to, to that point, Paolo doesn't know what he how, know what he needs to work on yet. And no. so I, I I think I think the concern on my end with the magic, you know, again, I, I really like the idea of a DeJounte Murray on this team, but my concern at this developmental stage with the team is that if you put a DeJounte Murray on this team, all of a sudden you are putting those expectations on this group and you're kind of boxing in Bain Caro into a specific role and a specific play because Murray has to play his way and you have to feed Murray the ball a certain amount of times. It's not like eventually you're going to have to learn how to play with other really good players, but it just feels like Paolo and Franz are still in this experimental stage where they can make some mistakes and you know, no one is flipping out about that. About, you know, no one flips out when Franz has a five turnover game because it's like, okay, He's learning when where his shots are going to come from, and and that's you know like you said, nothing is more fun than a team that's figuring out how to win for the first time, because you know once they once they've proven they can win, then everyone starts to be like, okay, why aren't you doing it more? Right yeah. now, it's like okay, like this is fun. We're winning that first we're, we're that winning. first season, that first season it's, it's that you're actually pretty good is is a lot of fun, and I do think Murray is like fairly flexible. Like I don't think he would pin you down as much as mm-hmm. someone might think. Too, that's also important to point out because like. He doesn't have to be a 30% usage guy. You're not trading yeah. for a guy who has to be the every down quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's, I think he is a point guard. He is a scorer, but um, also the, there's, there's the, there's the Paolo DeJounte thing from, from back in the day. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. They're both. They they're allegedly both, squashed that. Beat, I think they kind of uh, have, but I just wanted to say that, say those words out loud once. Yeah, that's there. No, it's there. Powell's a franchise player, so obviously he would have to be okay with it for it to happen. No, I think I wouldn't worry about that. It's just kind of a funny thing that I just remembered as we were talking. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that it is a move that would be a expectation changer. And I think you've got to be ready for that as an organization, whether it's from the front office to the coaching staff to the players. Like it's like, hey, once this guy arrives, he walks in the door. Like it's not like you're trading for an established top 10 player. And that's that's a different, that's a different discussion. Murray's in that like top 40, 50 range. Like he's a really good player. Um, but he'd be firmly in a big three with with Paolo and Franz at that point, and they haven't had that experience yet. It's been Paolo and Franz, and they're they're the two best guys by far. And, and they've they have, been they've been doing it in anonymity, like no yeah. one's no one's really paying it. Like like Orlando, like Orlando has been so lost in the desert. Like you know, That's we're what we're very we're very happy just to have them. <laughs> like it's it's it oh gets, for sure it gets different. And he would help them a lot. And I I do think that on the players, I don't look. We don't. I, I, I'm guilty of this too, but I try to like. Think about the player side, and if, if I was Dejounte, I'd be I'd be thrilled to be in Orlando. I really would. Um, you know, take you know lo- locations and relationships, all that stuff. Out. Basketball wise, like it gives him a chance to be the player that he would like to be in the way that he's comfortable being as like the point guard, ball in his hands, but also has plenty of help. And that's a good situation for him to be in as well. Let's let's kind of close with with this then. You know, I, I'm not I'm not big into making like fake trades. I, I like looking for kind Me of, either. <laughs> I'm like I'm very I'm very I like looking at frameworks for deals. Like we could fill in sure. the details later, but is there a way to do this? But but we have to start here. You know, you said the Hawks are kind of putting a pretty firm line. They're looking for a lot. What are the Hawks looking for in, in, in a deal at, at at this juncture? So what's been reported and what I have also heard in addition to the reporting is that the Hawks have been asking teams for 
the equivalent of two first round picks and something else, essentially. Like whether, whether that's the, the salary filler or a young player. Um, some of the teams don't have two first round picks, like the Lakers are the team that's been most tied to have. They don't have two. So it's been like one and whatever else you can cobble together kind of thing. So they're not married to it has to be two first round picks, but that's the equivalent value. And like same thing with Orlando, I think if you uh if you inserted Anthony Black in place of a first round pick, like that counts. Does that mean? Does that yeah. make sense? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know if my. I don't we're know not if my guy John Howard doing that. We're not. No. We're not no. 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 Magic are doing that. I'm just like, giving you the you uh, the examples <laughs> yeah, yeah. of like first round pick can mean different things. First um, round pick can mean second second draft guy. Yeah, it could. Who's, be. who's I, not? Who's I, not like? I don't know. Yeah, like because for instance, the Lakers have been trying to offer them Jalen Hutchinson, who was a first round pick this last year. I don't think he has the value in a vacuum of a first round pick right now. Um. I don't know if Jet Howard would have the first round pick patina in a trade right now after not playing really at all this year, but like he'd be interesting. That's a guy that's like interesting. Um, that's what the Hawks want to do. Yeah. And, and, and Orlando has picks. They do actually have picks they versus some of these teams that don't. So that's the asking price. Um, of course, you have to match salary. Um, one of the advantages now is that he's only making 18 ish million this year. So it's a little bit easier to do that. And as you well know, Orlando has a bunch of those mid tier salaries. So it'd be one of the easier teams to actually find a deal that lines up. I don't know if I don't know what the Hawks want on the Magic roster. That's that's the question. But they do have different combinations in a way that like there's a lot of different ways to get it done. I would yeah, imagine. yeah, and and like this 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 you know this is a problem that I've I've brought up with a lot with a lot of people. Like the Magic do have a lot of these kind of mid tier salaries, but like I imagine Atlanta if they're even if they're trading Dejounte Murray, they still want to be competitive. Like they're still in the play in yeah. chase. They don't want to lose that play in spot. They still got they can't waste a year of Trey Young if they, they would they would it. prefer they would prefer not to turn Murray into nothing for this year. Like there's, yeah. there are, there are ways for them to do a deal that would do that. I think there's a deal with the Knicks that was discussed at one point for like Evan Fournier. And, but even then they were getting Quentin Grimes in the deal. Quentin Grimes is not a spectacular player, but he would help he you can now. Contribute. Yeah. Um, it's not, he's not a total zero. I, I think that to your point, they don't, they don't want to bottom out right now. They'd like yeah. to be competitive this year. And they also know that trading DeJounte isn't going to make them better in the short term. It's more of a retooling effort, but they don't want to just get nothing back in the short term if they can help. Yeah. Them. And so so to that, so to that point, like this is the the bigger problem that I think the Magic have is the guys that they have to offer that would match DeJounte Murray's salary are Jonathan Isaac, who, you know, yep. might be might be recouping some value, but I don't think the Magic want to trade him with how good he has been when he's yep. when he's been healthy. They got Marco Fultz, who's an expiring contract, which might be valuable in a bad free agent class, but also there's a reason the Magic are trying to get off Marco Fultz or trying to move on from Marco Fultz. Um, yep. It's Wendell Carter, who you know is only at thirteen million dollars. You know, Atlanta product. Atlanta product. Um, you know, he might be someone that is of interest to people, but you know, the Magic, you know, the Magic would want a center back in return. I don't think Clint Capella does does it does it for them. It's you know. Gary Harris, who's an expiring $13 million contract. He's been hurt most of the year. The guys at the Magic have that would help them get, you know, Chumo KK, another, another uh, Atlanta, another Atlanta, Atlanta guy. area guy. Yep. Um, but like he's been out of the rotation for essentially a year and a half, two years. Um, the Magic don't have necessarily the high salary guys to get them to, to make Atlanta make the deal. If, if that makes sense, unless, it, it unless Jonathan Isaac or Wendell Carter is on the table, which you yeah, know, I always, as always, to get something good, you got to give up something good. I don't think I the do. Mavs are ready to, to to sacrifice those guys. Yeah, and I I understand that too. I, I do think uh, I don't know if we were talking about Wendell in particular. I do think that the Hawks should 
I'm interested in Wendell Carter because um, mm-hmm. I think they're trying to move Capella for salary reasons and fit reasons, and they've already paid a Kongwu. But I think a Kongwu and Wendell are actually really yeah. interesting together. Um, putting that aside, I think it's not likely for that to be a package uh, for Wendell to be included. I do think Markel Fultz would be kind of interesting. Mostly, mostly as an expiring, but he could help. I mean, he could play a real role for the Hawks right now. Um, he wouldn't be as good as Dejounte in that role, but because he can handle the ball a little bit, he can defend. Um, that's not a zero. Like there's, there's been a deal um, that's been talked about. I'm not saying it's close by any means, but like with Dinwiddie coming back from Brooklyn, kind of similar. Like that different player than than Fultz, but an expiring contract, a guy that the Hawks probably don't want to keep des- necessarily in, with desperation, but someone that who could who, who could help them now. He could play for them now. Fultz could play for them now. Um, and then, yeah, the other, the other, I mean, Gary Harris is kind of similar. Like, could he play some minutes for the Hawks? Sure, he could. Is that terribly appetizing? Probably not for the Hawks as a return for Dejounte. Same thing with Joe Ingles. You know, all the, you know, all those guys. But it is. It what is what the it Magic, is. what the Magic probably have, and I think this is the case for a lot of the deals that 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 they might be involved in. What the Magic have is their draft picks. Like, uh, what was what was that stat that that came around? Was like, yeah, the between the mat between the Spurs, Magic. Pistons, Thunder, and Rockets, they own 75% of like future firsts for the next like I mean, five years yeah, or something I, like that. that. The, the magic, <laughs> and the magic, the magic are like have, on the low end of that. <laughs> yeah, the, the the combination of things the magic have that would be interesting in a Hawks deal is less about the current players. It would be more about they have expiring contracts, whichever ones you want to pick, they have them. And then they have young guys if you want to. You know, obviously Anthony Black is kind of in an interesting tier of his own there, but you have Jed Howard and you have picks and you have, those are the three things you have. Um, and it's not a bad combination of those things. It's just that whether the Hawks want to, I mean, whether Magic want to take Anthony Black off the table is interesting in this conversation. Um, picks are interesting. Like, obviously they would have no problem offering two first round picks. A lot of these yeah. teams can't get to two and yeah. Orlando could offer them two real and, unfake two for two first round yeah, picks. And that, yeah. That is, and I, and I think, thing. and I think the Matt, you know, like I think the magic are probably very actively shopping or willing to include the 2025 Denver pick that they have, um, which, you know, it's which a is not pick. a good pick, but it's a, it's a real pick. It's, a it's going to convey. Pick. It's a real pick. Yes. Yeah. And then honestly, like, you know, I know this draft isn't the craziest good draft. Like the magic aren't playing a draft pick from this year. Like, I don't know, you know, you don't just throw away a, tw- a first a first for anything. And that first is probably going to be in the 16, 17, 18 range, maybe. But why wouldn't I, I, I would, I would, I would think the magic would at least be more open to trading that pick than they have been in the past because Jet Howard's not playing and, and presumably you're trying yeah. to open some space for him to play next year after he gets kind of a gap year in the G League. Yeah, and also, this is not something that I necessarily agree with, but a lot of the sentiment out there about this draft being bad, and I, I do agree it's with a, that. It's this, a middle draft. I, I do a, agree with that. Yeah. The draft, it's not yeah. a good draft, but yeah, why I'm saying I don't want to necessarily agree with it is that the middle of it's fine. Like, I, yeah. I think where the match you're going to pick is a fairly normal draft position. It's the top that's a disaster it's in this top, draft. It's the top that's not good, yeah. So, like... I think they, it gets, it's not it gets, Anthony Bennett bad. Let's be clear. Yeah, it gets described as this terrible draft, but it's really the top. The rest of it is kind of normal. So yeah. the, the equivalent value of the 16th pick, what you said, 18th pick, whatever it's going to be for Orlando, that's still a real pick. The Hawks are looking at that. Well, the Hawks are owed a pick by the Kings in that exact same range. So I'm tracking that range already, and it's like this is a pretty normal first round spot. And to your point, I think Orlando that would be interesting. I would imagine all things equal, the Hawks would probably not love that one because they already have potentially two first round picks in this draft. They have their own and they have the Kings pick, which is likely to convey again, that's nitpicking way down the road and at the end of the conversation. But I think that 
they, they, may, they, may, they might be asking for 2025 or 2027 or something like yeah. that. And, and the Magic obviously have those picks. They have that weird Phoenix Washington pick that they that will that again will convey. But it's the, like the more favorable of whatever the second, it is. The second Phoenix favorable. Washington. Yeah, oh, Phoenix second Washington favorable. Or, or, yeah, it's it's a weird. It's a weird. I, one. I looked briefly and I was confused by it. But that, that yeah, it's like it's that. a weird. It's a weird one. Like I I, <laughs> I, I I even forgot that that they had it. Um, the last point I want to bring up um is. One thing that I think at least Magic fans have talked about, because like you said, the teams that are the favorites to get Murray, the Lakers, the Knicks, they're going to need some help. Do you view the Magic yeah. as a potential third team that could get involved in helping facilitate Murray elsewhere? You know, like I, I, some Magic fans pitched, you know, the Magic might be a team that would be willing to take on D'Angelo Russell. I don't, I don't think they would be, but that is, I was going to say that he, exact he fits, thing. He fits some needs too. It's not crazy to think that. Like, there's logic yeah. there. It's hard. It's really hard from the outside to the point about not living fake trades. It's really hard on the outside Mm -hmm. to like concoct scenarios for third teams, but because that one's been widely reported and I've heard it as well, like the Hawks are kind of at a stalemate with the Lakers on this deal. And part of it is the Hawks don't want Russell. They just don't want him. He fits a lot better in Orlando, for instance, than he would in Atlanta, even in the short term. So that that's a very logical one. I don't know if the magic are like kicking and screaming to be excited about doing that, but they, they could, for and by the way, it would cost them very little. That's the thing. Um, the Hawks aren't asking for like in this in this three way scenario. It wouldn't be like, hey, give me a ton of stuff for D'Angelo Russell. It's like, can you give me an expiring contract for D'Angelo Russell? One of those kind of things. Yeah. Like faults for Russell, kind of that kind of thing. I'm not saying that would be exactly it, but that kind of construction would make would make some sense. Or Gary Harris for Russell, whatever you want to say it is. Um, that I wouldn't mind that as the Hawks. I don't think I don't know about Orlando, like you said. Yeah, but I think he would kind of he kind of fits there, but kind of doesn't. I don't know. It's interesting. He fits and he doesn't. Like he gives yeah. them something that they they need. You know, like he helped the offense. He'd yeah, the offense. yeah, yeah. He and you think do they have enough to cover their def- cover defensively? Like you mentioned, yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie. He's been a guy I've kind of kicked around as well. Same like, kind of level as yeah, Russell in a lot of different yeah, ways. Yeah, just uh, give him give him another guy who's at least a threat to shoot. You know, a veteran. It you know. Uh, like a big thing that I've been talking with a lot of people about is like the magic have a lot of like kind of B and C level players, but you know, when Franz Wagner went out, the offense went in the tank because they didn't have someone who could be a B level player that turns into an A level player for a week when you need, when you need him to like, you know, you don't want to rely on that for a month, but you yeah. know, they don't have a guy that can score that outside of Paolo and Franz, who's going to, going to get you a 30, po- a 30 pointer on a random night or when, you know, Franz was out for a while when Paolo was out and that's, you know, that's kind of something that that you need. Uh, you, need yeah. you, you need to, to play at a high level and you survive an 82-game season. But I, I actually think Russell might be underrated now in a vacuum. And I've never, been, I've never been a big fan of his, honestly. But I think the reason why for the Hawks is that he just can't play with Trey. Like, that, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so I think... Um, Put him next Atlanta, to Jalen Suggs, it's different. He played... Yeah, he would be... Or even next to Fultz. Like, he makes sense with yeah. multiple guys in Orlando in the way he would not next to Trey in Atlanta. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't want to dive too deep into that rabbit hole, but it does, it does oh, feel like, <laughs> it does feel like there is a framework. Like, there, like, there is a path to, there are many happen. frameworks. Yes. 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 And that, like, like, again, like, my, my big thing when I get into these trade discussions is like, okay, for, you know, we'll worry about the details, but, but can you make the math work? Uh, you know, is there something yeah. that, that makes both teams say, huh, like, let me think about that a little and bit. And you that mentioned it gets, earlier. Gets things started. You said quickly earlier, I'll, I'll, and I'll get out of your way. This is also a, a deal that could happen this summer. Yeah. I know that's not sexy in the next few days, but if the Magic don't like what they see in the playoffs and the Hawks keep, and the Hawks keep Murray, which certainly could happen, these two teams still match up fairly well in July or June if they want to at the, at the, at the draft or in July. Like, that's a... 
the non-zero possibility, I would say, of both sides kind of coming like, hey, Orlando might be more of a more in buy mode this summer. And then the Hawks might still be looking for takers on DeJounte. So that's six months away, five months away, but like that could be on the radar too. So, so save this. So, so, you know, save this podcast, put the link exactly. in your, put your link in your too many tabs, <laughs> save it, come back to it, come back to it after the season. And the tell only, a friend. Yeah. And tell a friend. Yeah. The, yeah. the only other thing. And, and again, like you mentioned, you, you hinted, you hinted a little bit with the Paolo DeJounte history. The only other thing, and I, I brought this up when I talked to, to Tony East of locked on Pacers, when we chatted about buddy healed, um, the Magic and Hawks are also still kind of competing for the same spot in the in the East. Uh, I'm yep. sure Atlanta. I'm sure Atlanta. You know, Trey Young is an All Star level player. I'm sure he'll be one of the replacements uh, for for the All Star team uh, if he wants if he wants it. Um, but um, but I'm sure Atlanta still views itself as hey we we should be the succeed next year. Like we're still oh yeah a top six team in the in the conference. We had a bad year, but we're still top six team in the conference. They're not likely, you know, like kind of like with, I, I spoke about this with Tony East of locked on Pacers is like, why would the Pacers give the magic a really valuable player so that they can pass them in the standings? And, and, it, and, it's and people don't talk about that aspect enough. Cause like they think like, Oh, divisions don't matter anymore. Like, you know, like, like, why would you not, why would you care about this stuff? But like, you don't want to help your direct competition. Yeah. A lot of teams don't care. And some do. Is the way I would say, I, and, okay. I, and I don't exactly know what the Hawks feel. It's a new front office about because it hasn't come up yet about like, do you want to trade with a relative rival of yours? Um, like Daryl Morey is like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he'll, he'll trade with whoever it is, and if, if, it, if it makes your team better, it makes your team better. But I mean, it certainly you want to make your team better. Like that's, yeah, that's what it, matters. It, it you could do come what you in. Do. It could come in at the end of a conversation. And be like, okay, as a tiebreaker, do we want to send to Orlando? Do we want to deal with this <laughs> yeah. with this guy and and Paolo and Franz for the next five six years? Five six years, maybe not. So yeah, it could be a tiebreaker on either side. Yeah, uh, Brad, I, I want to thank you for jumping on, telling us a little yeah. bit about Dejounte Murray, about where he stands ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, we'll see if this is still relevant after February eighth. That might be, like we said. But good luck to you the rest of the season. Uh, the rumor mill is almost done spinning. Almost. <laughs> almost. Thanks for having me.